0: Time
1: to play the game! You're listening to Panther Parkway Radio, the official podcast of pantherparkway.com.
0: Born to lose. I've lived my
1: life in vain. Welcome to Panther Everybody, Parkway Radio. I'm so excited to be here as your host. My name is Josh. And with me is my good friends and yours. Frank Rekas, the owner of PantherParkway.com. And David Lasseter. So Boys, how's it going? It's uh it's it's going pretty good. You know, I'm
2: I'm reading over some statistics here. And Josh, did you know that an adult male Florida panther can grow up to 160 pounds?
1: 160 pounds? 160. That's amazing. 160 pounds. Like that's so big. Did you know, Dave, that a Florida panther when it's hunting for food can eat things like mice, waterfowl, storks pigs and even alligators and
2: what's amazing is for that kind of predator uh there's at one point in 1970s i'm a 1970s baby myself so at one point in 1970s there, there were only 20 florida panthers believed to be in the wild uh conservation efforts uh, uh you know in, in oh. the, the the animal was was made the the state mascot the state animal in 1982 Uh, up announced in 2017 estimated
1: 230 in the wild 230 panthers total in the wild that's crazy and they all live in kind of that everglade area uh yeah i mean that's just so cool i mean did you know that when you're looking uh for florida panthers you can see their tracks um through the woods by looking for small paw prints in the in the mud because they like to be in those low places
2: I do know that, and I know that just because when I was a kid, when
1: uh, and again a '70s
2: baby, but I was actually you know you know young throughout the '80s. It was you know, we used to go out uh, back before Florida was so overdeveloped, and we used to see those prints. We never actually saw the panther, but we used to see those prints. We were fascinated by what a majestic animal this is.
1: Have you seen those young baby panthers? They are so cute. Like it's ridiculous. You just want to pet them. But of course, if you do, they'll they'll destroy you and maul you to death. But that's amazing. They actually begin uh, hunting when they're only two months old, and then when they're two years old, they actually live on their own and separate from their parents. How crazy is that?
2: Uh, I, I, that's extremely crazy. It took me a long guys, time to separate guys, from my parents. No, yeah, wait, yeah, Fra- yeah, 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 Frank.
3: Guys, um, I, I, I didn't even get a chance to like you know say hey, how's it going, and you guys start talking about. Florida Panthers, but aren't we supposed to be talking about the hockey team? I mean, what, what do you guys? What, do we, I mean, I wasn't ready for this. That I have, to, I didn't prep for this. I mean,
2: do we have to talk about the hockey team? I mean, the, well, the cats are a lot more interesting.
1: This, yeah, this definitely seems like a more interesting conversation than talking about the hockey team.
3: Can we like reel what's it the, in? What's the,
2: what, so, what are the know, goals, goals the, against average? What's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the actual Florida Panthers' even-strength same percentage?
3: It's got to be better than what we're doing.
2: Touche.
1: <laughs> hey, I mean, at least the Cats can weigh up to 160 pounds. I'm not even sure if any of our players weigh that much, except for McGinn.
2: Uh, did, did, oh. did Rocco Grimaldi, when he was a Panther, did he weigh that much?
1: Maybe. Only
3: oh. after he uh, put on everyone's equipment.
1: There you go. <laughs> well, uh, this might not be the, the conservation podcast for Florida Panthers, but it is the podcast where we talk about Florida Panthers hockey. And uh, so, man, I mean, it just seems like it, it's, it's not really the most fun thing to talk about right now. But uh, we do want to dive in and just talk a little bit about what's going on as the, uh, the Panthers are getting ready to take on the Dallas Stars uh, tonight as we record this show. And, uh, man, uh, one of the biggest things to me is uh, is kind of something that happened this week. And it was an article that kind of came out on PantherParkway.com. It even got picked up by ESPN. And uh, our own Frank Rikis wrote uh, this article talking about just the, the, the disgust that he has. And I think his sentiments are, are shared by fandom right now with the state of the Florida Panthers. And it might be hard for people outside of the Panthers fan community to really understand just how frustrating it is to be a fan of the Panthers right now, having had uh, such high hopes for the team in the last couple seasons and then seeing them all dashed systematically uh, by a couple of management decisions. It is really tough. Uh, but, Frank, you've you're kind of been getting a lot of heat uh, for your article. And uh, like I said, it got picked up by ESPN. It's been around. So do you want to just take a minute to address kind of the the cat in the room, so to speak, uh, about you know what, what you meant by that? And I know what you meant, but you want to kind of just address you know how you're feeling about the team right now?
3: Uh, I don't know if I can do it in a minute, but I'll try to do the best I can. And I, I guess I was just, you know, I've been frustrated with the way the team's been playing as I think we all have, uh, you know, and uh, a lot of changes this year, a lot of changes last year. And I, I think when the interview was um, with the Sun Sentinel with, uh, is it Matthew DeFranks? I'm pretty sure that's his name, with Dale Talon And just some of the things that were, was being said about, you know, let's be patient, it's going to work. And, and, I mean, I don't have word for word everything that was there. I, I was just like – I'm tired of being patient. I'm very tired of being patient. And people who know me, who know the kind of hockey that I like, and who know, you know, deep down, I am a true fan of the Panthers. But I I hate losing. I've always hated losing. And my goal is that I want my team to play for the Stanley Cup. I don't want to try and be the eighth seed. That leaves very little room for error and it seems like we're always trying to play for the eighth seed. And I think the one piece in my article that kind of ticked off a lot of people and, you know, whatever I, I you know, just like, you know, you can't control my feelings I can't control yours. But, you know, when I made a comment about not investing any more time and money in going to games and it, and that's specifically what I meant about going to games, I didn't mean anything about not writing or watching. I just meant going to games. I mean, if you want to send a message, to me, that is one way of sending a message. That doesn't mean that you have to believe what I say or have to feel the same way as I do. But I've lived through that scenario in another city, and that was one way to send a message. And I just want a productive team. I want a competitive team on the ice. And I want to stop all the changes. And I think that if we continue to Make all these changes. I mean, you know, people want to blame the coach. Well, maybe it's not the coach. Maybe it's a little bit of the players. Maybe it's a little bit of each. I don't know. But uh, it's it's got to get straightened out and turned around at some point.
1: You know, it's hard because when you look at the state of the team right now, <sighs> I mean, there's not a whole lot that Dale Talon can do, and we know that that's an acceptable thing to say because it is hard to make trades in this league. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is hard to make trades in this league. Um, but when you look at it, you got to say, okay, what can we do here? Uh, to improve the team, you got to be proactive. You can't be passive. And I think what what really struck a nerve with me in that Talon article was his persistence on saying, you know, we got to be patient. We got to trust the process. Uh, but we've trusted the process. You know, I remember back when Talon became the GM and, and they had the whole blueprint campaign, uh, how there was going to be a blueprint and there was going to be benchmarks. Now, I understand that that blueprint kind of got set on fire and thrown in a trash can when Tom Rowe became the GM. But we need to see uh, some improvement and and something has to happen. You know, something has to give. It can't just uh, be the way that it's been. It just can't. We can't continue to do that. And so um, it is frustrating. And Frank, I understand what you're saying. And I I don't know that I'm at that extreme uh, point yet where I'm ready to say, hey, I'm not going to go to games. But I will say that it's harder and harder to watch the games because as you're watching them, you, you don't go in with any expectation of success. You don't really believe, or at least I don't really believe, that the team can win on any given night. Um, and it's frustrating. And, you know, I watched the, the game the other night against the Devils, and I had it on. Uh, but I found myself kind of turning the volume down on it and, and doing some other things because I just couldn't, it couldn't hold my attention. It just, it's hard uh, to be excited about the team. And, um, yeah, I mean, when, when we're losing the ticket prices are lower, so maybe it's easier to go to games, but one of the ways that you can send a message to ownership and to management about your, your frustration is not going to a game. And I think that's a valid point. I don't don't think you deserve to be crucified for that, Frank, uh, because I think that's a valid point.
3: You know, that's that's fine. I mean, I've, I've, <laughs> I've got a strong stomach, and I knew I was going to catch flack from some people. And from others, I got a lot of like, okay, hey, you know what? You, you make a lot of sense. Just the bottom line is, and for anybody who's listening, whether you're pro the article or against the article, you know, we're all fans, and we all want to see the team win. But everybody has a different way of dealing with it. And my way is, is, you know, I've got other stuff that's more important to me right now. And if the choice is to go watch this, I'm just not going to do it. And I'm not even going to the Blackhawks game.
1: Yeah, I know, know that's a big deal.
2: Yeah, you know, as as a you know as a fan, you know, you don't expect all good times. You don't expect a Stanley Cup. You don't expect a championship every year. Um, but one of the things as a fan, as much as you love the t- team, as much as you love the game, when you're invested in the team, you want some kind of payoff. And there hasn't been a lot of payoff uh, for the Florida Panthers in the past 18 years. So I think what we're, we're, were two two playoff appearances, no series wins. You um, know, you know, you know, three. I think what three seasons in between those two playoff appearances, and then of course the long drought before um, uh, before 2012. So you want you, you you know you want to pay. Yeah, you love the game. Is but when you're invested in the team, you want some success. And I'll give you an example. I was for, you know, all my life, I've been a Seattle Seahawks uh, football fan in the NFL. And that team st- found new ways to stink, gave me a little, little bit of hope, and they go back to stink again. And then, you know, they finally got good. You know, they went into a Super Bowl. They lost that Super Bowl 40. And, you know, uh, you know they hired Pete Carroll. That You know, they, they make the playoffs a bunch of years. Super Bowl, you know, a, a stupid play call from back-to-back Super Bowl and that's what you you know you just you just want a chance to have, you know to, to be on top you know and, and again in a grand scheme of things this is just a game but this is what we're invested in this is what we love and it would just be nice to just be consistently you know good and, and not even just good to be consistently competent because you can't even say that that, that this organization is even competent right now
3: well and also to have the feeling that um th- there's a there's a will to win that losing isn't acceptable that you know you you you're trying not you're trying you're you're playing to win a championship i mean you know we don't really hear much of that talk what we're hearing mostly is is like you said dave and, and josh i think you said it too be patient with the process things are going to be fine it's a process you know we've got a young defense well shit sorry you guys put this defense together you got three guys who've played less than 300 games combined.
2: I mean, what did we think was going to happen? So, can, so you, can we can we if we can talk about the defense for one second? And Josh, you mentioned the other night how you kind of weren't excited to watch New Jersey game. I w- I recorded the game of, because it was a great night of college football: uh, Miami, Notre Dame, uh, Alabama, Mississippi State. So I was watching that. I was kind of flipping back back through everything, but I recorded the Panther game to go back and watch and. You look at the goal that they gave up for you know, that was the eventual game winner. I know they had a strong third period, but first of all, you had you had Michael Haley out there on the penalty kill who drew a penalty because of who couldn't see that coming. And <laughs> and then you have a you have you have a five on three and you go back and watch it, and the, the Devils did a great job of spacing, you know, of, of creating spacing. Ekblad and Yandel again out there on the penalty kill together. I don't I don't get it, but okay. Um, and you go and you watch Taylor Hall's just kind of sitting in, sitting in the slot. Ekblad, you know, uh, you know basically you know, comes over to, to Yandel's side of the ice, cross-checks to Taylor Hall. As he does that, here's this huge shooting lane opens up for Palmieri, and he roasted Reimer, and that was the game, game winner. It's brain-dead things like that, and, and you know, uh, who knows what's going on with Ekblad, but something like that. It was so infuriating. I didn't watch past that. I, I, I watched that. I went back and rewound it a couple of times, um, and you know, you just you just see you know five on three is not the time that you that you're going to try to assert yourself as a tough guy. And if anything, you know, in that particular play, Ekblad was lucky that he didn't get a two for cross checking, and give them another you know uh, you know a, a full five on three. It's these kind of things just make it mad. Like I mean, there's. Everything about this team right now, uh, you know, granted the win in Buffalo, Buffalo stinks, you should have beat Buffalo. Um, but everything about this team is just maddening. And Josh, like you said, it's tough to get excited to watch them play right now. That kind of stinks because, you know, usually that happens late in, you know, in a bad season as you get to late March and you say, uh, but this is November and I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm already, you know, sometimes having to force myself to watch it.
3: And, yeah. you know, and you mentioned the, the win against Buffalo. I mean... Raise your hand if you thought that the season was going to turn around after that. My hand is down. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that was an aberration, but that that was a team, if we're going to be good, we should have beaten them. That should have been a cakewalk. Well,
1: let me ask you guys this. Uh, Looking at the defense of the Panthers, what's what's going on with this uh, benching of Alex Petrovic? I mean, it seems like... Uh, there's just some really weird decisions being made, and 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 didn't Bob Bugner coach the defense in San Jose? Wasn't that his role there? So it's weird to me that there's such mismanagement on the defensive side because that should be the one area where they're really good.
3: Well, Capuano's coaching the defense here, and uh, I, you know I thought his defense in with the Islanders was okay. It wasn't that great, um, and supposedly he's he's a no nonsense guy. Doesn't take a lot of Gruff, he's not really a players-type coach, so to speak. But, yeah, the Petrovic thing, yeah, he's gotten beat on a couple of goals, but, you know, why is he the whipping boy? Um And the other side of it, too, is, I mean, I think Matheson has played horrible since he signed that contract. Maybe he needs a night off, uh, but the whole scheme is just off, and I think the pairings, as we've continued to talk about night after night when we do these – is just wrong it's just and the yandel ekblad pairing i guess they're going to be stubborn on that one and not break them up
2: it's it's inexplicable they're out there for the penalty kill uh they're out there and even strength i think you, you, you know obviously when the, they go to the power play it's usually one out there i i can't i can't see why they're not even attempting to to try to shake things up and try to try to get the right pairing try to get the right chemistry uh, it just seems to be that that's, you know, that, that's the number one pairing and that's it and everything else just kind of gets shuffled around behind it. And eventually, as the goals pour in, hmm. you know, the coach has to say, well, let's see, maybe, you know, maybe if I put Ekblad uh, with someone else, you know, kind of shuffle it around because you have, you know, this this pairing that somehow is the number one pairing and it's not even close to a number one pairing in terms of of overall quality. And it's, you know, it's not working, you know, at least as far as keeping goals out of it. I'm sure the shot totals look good. uh, But that red light's going off a heck of a lot. And if you just, you're going to keep shuffling the same two guys out there and say, okay, go out there. Especially on the penalty kill. You know, it's one thing you want to keep them at even strength. But at the penalty kill, that's who you're throwing out there. Granted, some of the guys are younger. Uh, but I, I take my shot with them more than, than than five and three out there for the penalty kill.
1: Isn't it Isn't it crazy though that we protected Petrovic in the expansion draft? I mean, we protected Ugh. Petrovic, in, pre- Petrovic in the expansion draft, and we did not protect Marcia so, uh You know, Riley Smith. Obviously, both those guys went to Vegas and are having really good years. Um, you know, it's just it's it's weird that you would protect him. See him as one of the the core assets of the team, and then almost immediately be discounting him. I haven't. I mean, I know every defenseman on the Panthers honestly has been burned a couple times, so let's not you know try to throw Petrovic on the under the bus for that. Um, but I mean, the reality is, I haven't seen anything from him that makes me think that he's not um, able to contribute to the team. So it's just really weird to me that we protected him and and we were so adamant about keeping him at the at the point of losing scoring. I mean, how much could we use um, so right now on that second line with Trocheck?
3: Well, you know now you're switching to the offense, and for for up until the last three games, I think the offense hasn't been a problem. but I think the problem now is is that it's the top line of Huberdo, uh, Dednov, and um, why am I drawing a blank? Barkov. Barkov. You stop them, you've basically stopped the Panthers, and that's that's the problem. I mean, now it's like the bottom nine or the, the, those nine players. If you can if you can stop the top line, the, the rest of the, those other guys they're not going to be that much of a threat, and they're not. I mean, look at Verbata. He has three goals and I think ten assists. So people are like, well, oh, yeah. So, you know, that, that projects to maybe 50 points or so, 45 to 50 points. But all his goals came in one game. Otherwise, he's been invisible, you know. And uh, poor Trocek doesn't know who his linemates are going to be game to game. And, and I feel bad for the kid, you know. And uh, Bukestad has taken flack. Is he, you know, is he not the player we thought he was? Did we give him a contract too soon? You know, is he a center? Is he a wing? Is he a second line player? Is he a third line player? Does he need a change of scenery? Uh, You know, the whole blender is going, and I don't think we know up from down and left from right. And you know, and the love affair with Haley, I just don't get that either. So (laughs) there's just there's a there's a lot of issues, and you know, to Bugner's defense, maybe he just doesn't have the people to shuffle around. And make you know, and and get the right changes uh, out of what's going on. And you're you're not going to fire him. Not, I mean, you're just not. It's way too soon, way too soon. And I don't believe that the organization is going to pay you know a coach for three years and have him sit at home and you know watch what's going on. But there's multiple issues here now.
1: You know, Frank. Last week, uh, after the show went off air, uh, we actually stayed on the line for a few minutes, and we were talking a little bit more about the Panthers. And one thing that we had brought up uh, that I wanted to mention on the show this week was Michael Haley, because we were talking about, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere and and all of a sudden the Panthers are, are are signing this guy and playing him a lot. He's on the fourth line. So we looked at kind of his past stats and I mean, it's kind of crazy to look at uh, Michael Haley's record and realize that he really has not been a consistent NHL player. Last season he played 58 games, Uh, for the San Jose Sharks, 58, uh, had two goals, 10 assists. That's not a full season there for San Jose. The year before that, he only played 16 NHL games and he played 41 games for the Barracudas. Who's the AHL affiliate for San Jose. The year before that, he played only four games four in the NHL. That was the 2014, 15 season. Uh, And then after, you know, if you start tracking back, uh, the longest stint he had in the NHL was 27 games with the Islanders in 2010. So it's so weird to me that they kind of have been singing the praises of Haley as this veteran grinder. Uh, But I mean, he's a 31 year old guy who really has only played one, you know, almost full season. That's 58 games uh, for the San Jose Sharks last season. And they didn't even want him after that 58 games. They let him walk. So it's kind of weird to me that um, he's being put over as this veteran player. I mean, really, he's an AHLer that they're they're using on the fourth line.
2: Well, the the center on that line is
1: an AHLer too. Let's be fair. Well,
2: and that's your captain, boys and girls.
1: Captain, <laughs> oh, my, captain, my captain. You know,
2: I mean, it's it, 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 it's funny against Buffalo, they go out there for the opening face-off, the ceremonial face-off. Uh, one, uh, you know, one side's Jack Eichel, and there's Derek McKenzie. That just doesn't seem right from my point of view. But what do I know?
3: Well, yeah. and you bring up a, you, you bring up a point, and I think it leads to also something else. Is um, I'll, I'll dare I say the lack of veteran leadership on the team. I mean, who, who are we looking at?
1: Yeah, you mentioned this last it, week too, Frank. I mean, uh, nobody on the roster except Niemi, who got cut today and is on waivers, yeah. uh, has won a cup.
3: I mean, I think you need a couple of those guys because they know what it's like to win. Man, this is the toughest trophy in the world to win. It's a long season, uh, and you know you can't coast and expect to win a championship. Not in hockey. I don't. Th- so that's another element that uh, my perception is missing. You know, the year when we, uh, you know, when after talent came in and we, you know, we got a few. Uh, he made all those uh, signings. I think there were like eleven free agent signings. I mean, we had a few Stanley Cup winners there, and you know, we had some. We had, we were on the way to having some success. I just think it's an it's another element of that we don't have or we're missing, and we got to do something about the captaincy. I'm sure Derek McKenzie is a great person. You know, I'm sure he's very likable, but you know, you have an issue in the game, and I, you you see him coming up to discuss it. It's just that just doesn't seem right.
1: Well, you know, it's it's kind of an interesting thing because – and I wanted to bring this up too. You know, the, the concept in, in hockey, and not just with the Florida Panthers, but with any NHL team, uh, in their marketing strategy, in the way that they – Um, that they want to relate to fans is they really want us all to feel like we're part of this, right? You know, you're the, the seventh man in the stands. You're the, you're the backbone of the team. You know, they, they, they come out after every win. Now the Panthers for the last few years and raise their sticks to the fans and say, thank you. And, 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 you know, we're all in this together. In fact, the theme of the Panthers season this year is one territory, right? We're all in one, you know, we're all together. We're all in one territory, but, then when the team starts to um, win, well, well, I would say this, when the team's winning, they're like, we need you. We need you here. We need you cheering. When the team starts to lose and the fans start to react, the, it seems like the response from the team and, and, and those who defend the team at that point is, well, how dare you? You're just a fan. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, keep your opinions to yourself. We're the experts. So it's kind of funny to me uh, looking at it that that's kind of the attitude that we're getting. And, and here's the deal. Like, here's the deal. When the Panthers need us, we've been there. Those who are hardcore fans, we've bought tickets, we've spent money on jerseys, we've spent thousands and thousands of dollars uh, to root for the team, thousands and thousands of hours watching them play, whether it be at a home game or watching them on television to make sure that they're getting their commercial revenue and everything else. We've invested into this team. And, And it's time for the team to get our backs, it's time for them to make a move that's going to help out to make the team more watchable. And when they sit back on their haunches and say, we're the experts, you just need to trust the, the process, I think it's insulting I think it's insulting to those who who have put their, their time, money, energy, blood, sweat, and tears into rooting for a team, for the team to turn around and kind of act like we're the silly ones, we're stupid uh, for what our opinions are about the team. I'm not saying they have to do everything the fans want them to do. I don't think that they should. But I do think that when it's so obvious that there's unrest in the fan base, you have to do something.
3: I agree 100%. and. You know, for someone who was a season ticket holder for 18 or so years and there and, you know, someone posted something on Twitter about, you know, if you were a fan during the dark ages of uh, the Panthers, you know, your loyalty should never be questioned. Well, let me tell you, there were four seasons where I had four season tickets in the lower bowl, like the first 10 rows, I think it was and i couldn't give those away if i couldn't make a game and i couldn't take anybody with me <laughs> if a couple people you know didn't pan out so you talk about the money the time it's not that we feel like we're uh, we deserve to be rewarded but we want to be rewarded with a good product and it's not just that this is an entertainment you're not you're not just going because you like hockey well yes we love hockey why the heck do you think we're you know we're we're podcasting, we're writing, we're doing what we do. We love hockey. We don't love
2: losing. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's funny, Frank, you mentioned about not being able to give tickets away. Uh, back when we first started this thing, I don't even remember the year, Frank, 2009, Josh, maybe, you know, 2009, 2010, whenever. Yeah. Uh, we started doing this consistently. Uh, you know, people say, oh, well, what are you doing? You know, I said, well, it's going to the Panthers game. I'm, you know, covering the game for this, you know, for the website and this, that, and the other. And people say, oh, I, I was a uh, Panther season ticket holder. I gave, you know, I gave it up. You know, and I asked him, I said, you know, why did you give it up? He says, they just, they weren't giving me anything. They were taking my money. They weren't giving me anything back. And. You know, for a couple of years here, we thought, well, okay, we're on the right, you know on the you know on the right track. and now we're just, you know, at this point again, it's just kind of we're not kind of getting a whole lot except uh, owners selling t-shirts uh, that you know mocking someone's opinion of the team, uh, and of course, I'm referring to those hockey expert t-shirts while the team absolutely circles the drain for most of that season. I, I think that's uh, that that <laughs> to me, in the past you know, season and a half, that stands out as maybe some of the short, you know, as a sign of some of the shortcomings within the organization. You're going to sit there and you're going to take criticism and, now, Doug McLean's not my favorite person in the world uh, and I certainly don't agree with anything he says, uh, but, you know, when they started launching guys and they come, oh, oh, what do they know? Oh, he gets his free thing, you know, this, that and the other, and they start selling those hockey expert t-shirts and the team sucks. You know, maybe learn a little bit of humility, maybe that's what what they tried to do was going back to Dale, but now the thing is so screwed up. Who knows if it ever gets back on track?
3: Uh, so now we find ourselves in this in this pickle, right? Um, we're not winning. We've got a brand new coach who's it's his first crack at a full time job. Uh, we've got a very young defense. We've got uh, two defensemen that aren't playing very well at all who are making a boatload of money uh we got a goaltender who unfortunately is on the wrong side of 35 let alone 30 and then we have a goaltender behind him who we're never really sure what night we're going to get we have a decent uh top three and i'm saying decent because i don't want to overpraise them because you know what's going to happen then and then we don't have much else so solution what are the solutions and before we all start to answer that Uh, When I did have my season tickets, um, my seat was right backed up to the the owner's box. And this is previous ownership. And there was an owner there that I spoke with quite uh, often during the games and after the games. One of the hardest things to do, and we all think it's easy, but it's not, is, you know, yes, you want to trade somebody. You got to find a partner. It's very hard to make a trade. But... Trades are out there. The thing is you gotta be willing to give to get. So maybe none of us are prepared to talk about this, but what the heck? Solutions, what can they do?
1: I mean it's what hard do we to play think that, they should do? It's it's hard to play that game because you don't really know what other GMs wanna do and what they want to give up and what they're asking for. But I think that the reality is the Panthers are at a place now where they have a, a surplus in the, in the minors of, of young guys who, who really the book hasn't been written on yet. They have a couple of players that are on the team now that may be expendable uh, to get assets. And they have draft picks that they can trade. Um, and, and you know we've been a, a draft-first team for a long time uh drafting is is really important and you do have to draft really well in order to be a contender but i do think that sometimes you have to spend those picks and those assets wisely in order to acquire things that you need and, and i think it's obvious to to anyone who's watched 30 seconds of Panthers hockey this season that there needs to be a trade for defense um is it is it you a think? Team like <laughs> yeah i mean is a team like the golden knights um, who are doing better than us after being an expansion team, which is crazy. Um, is a team like the Golden Knights have some surplus on defense? Yes, they do. Uh, could they give us a guy that's going to be a, at least a, a bottom pairing guy that can maybe help solidify the defensive defenseman role that we really desperately need? Yeah. Are there other guys out there who can play that role that are available? Probably. Um, you know, but, but, but there needs to be a trade made. There needs to be an acquisition for a guy who can play right now. Uh, and be part of the team On the forward side of it um, You know Finding another guy who can Who can put the puck in the net would be great So Trocek doesn't have to try to run a whole line by himself um, And just be the only guy Because if they can shut down Trocek They basically shut down that entire line uh, Trocek is an is a all-star caliber player And he's a really, really good young player And, and he, But he needs someone to play with um, So I mean those are two things right there That, that need to be done but like I said, it's hard to know who, who wants to move stuff. But as we saw with the Matt Duchesne trade, as we've seen with other transactions over the last several years, trades can happen. I mean, look at Nashville. I was looking thinking about this the other day. The Nashville Predators have so many of their top players acquired through trading. And they had to give up guys that you, know, you might balk at and go, I can't believe you, you traded away that guy. Uh, But they did. I think about the PK Subban trade. I mean, trading Shea Weber—that's that's that's a really gutsy move. Shea Weber is the captain of your team, and Shea Weber's not a bad player. He's a very good player. He's a top defenseman. He he plays really well defensively. He shoots the puck like crazy hard. Um, And they could have kept him and and kept going, but they said, you know, we need to trade a guy who who's really good in order to get someone who's really good. And uh, so they got PK Subban, and then they had you know they made the Ryan Johansson trade for. Uh, Seth Jones, who the Panthers passed on, (laughs) uh, to pick Barkoff. And then uh, they made the trade uh, this last week for uh, the Matthew Shane trade to get Kyle Turris uh, to be part of their team. So they've been a team that's not been afraid to trade high-impact potential players or prospects in order to acquire uh, talent that can help them right now. And I think when you look at the Panthers, we cannot be in a development mindset anymore. We cannot be in a, hey, we're waiting it out. We need to grow our – like our young players are here now, and, and they're playing, and they're getting paid to play now. And so like this needs to be a team that's in a win-now mode, not a, we need to grow our young guys because there's no one coming. There's no one – I mean, Owen Tippett, you might say, okay, he's coming eventually. Um, you know, A guy like Dryden Hunt might be a good player eventually. Uh, some of these guys but there's no one coming up the pipeline that we're sitting around waiting for anymore like everyone that was coming is here so it's time to to stop thinking about development and and maybe trade some assets trade some draft picks in order to build the team that you have now because that's important and you look at what's happening with the team you've got some guys like Barkov and Huberdo and Trocek and Bukestad who are good players but it might be time to say, do one of these guys got to go? Does, does you know? Do one of these these high-end players have to go in order to make the team better? Is there a trade out there that that we could do to improve the team? Because obviously Nashville wasn't afraid to do that, and it paid off for them. They made it to a Stanley Cup final. They, they might make it to another one. Uh, but they won't get there. They wouldn't be there if they weren't willing to make the crazy trades. Here, here's the reality. One, one last thought, and I'll let you guys share. But the reality is this prospects have their greatest value when they're still unknown. If you wait for every prospect to make it to the league to try to develop him and it fails, you're going to get nothing back for him. If you trade him when he's still a prospect, you might actually get something for him. Example, I don't think this book has been written yet, but Lawson Krauss is a great example. A good high pick for us. Looked at him said, you know what, we'd rather not have the Dave Bolin contract, traded him to Arizona. He hasn't really done anything in Arizona. I don't know if he ever will do anything in Arizona. But at the time, that was a high prospect that you could trade. There has to be a lack of hesitancy when it comes to trading prospects because we don't know what they're going to be yet, and we need to capitalize on that. We don't know what they're going to be yet in order to get people that we do know what they're going to be uh, because they are and we need them right now.
3: Well, you know, you bring up some really good points, and I want to just make uh, uh, give one example, and then just kind of add to your thought process there. Uh, Years ago, when I was in Chicago, and sorry, folks, for continuing to make a reference to them, but that's where the heck I'm from. Uh, The Blackhawks uh, lost in the first round of the playoffs after I think they won the President's Trophy, and I mean the 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 fire was still burning after the, the, I think it was a four-game sweep. And probably two days later, fan favorite and longtime Blackhawk, Dennis Savard, was traded for Chris Chelios. And I remember saying to myself, man, that is a pretty ballsy trade. But you know what? Something had to be done. I like it. And it worked very, very well. It changed the complexion of the team. They didn't win a cup. But they went to the cup final, they consistently started making the playoffs again, and it just it's changed their whole um, environment. Up to the present, we've got some players, Josh, like you said, are being paid to play now. And there might be one or two, like you said, that we need to say, you know what, in order to get something back, to get what we need, we have to make this person, we have to trade this person. Or bundle this person with another person and a draft pick to get what we what we want. I mean, should we have danced around in the Matt Duchesne trade? I don't know. Did we try? I don't know. I mean the last big name player that Dale Talon has traded, and correct me if I'm wrong, was David Booth. Fan favorite. Nobody liked it, but it worked out in the end, at least for that season. So sometimes you got to do what's not popular, and sometimes you just got to say, you know what, this is what we want. If this is who you want, then let's make that deal. But if we keep waiting, if we keep waiting for the core to do something and they never do nothing, then you're right. We're not going to be able to get anything for them.
2: And to uh, to to touch to touch on that, um, you know, you know, Josh, you mentioned a couple of things that hey, the the futures now, but you know, the prospects are here. Uh, And you have to make a trade. And I agree, unfortunately, for the Panthers, and this is a criticism I have of Dale and, uh, you know, of of some previous drafts, there isn't the organizational depth. Like, you can't, you know, let's say if you were to trade a Vinny Trocek uh, at this particular point for a big trade to bring back a big-name defenseman, you don't have a lot to plug in there. Um, And that's, again, you know, you could look back at a couple of the drafts. I go back, I remember thinking during the 2011 draft, the Jonathan Huberto draft, uh, you look at some of these names out there and you think, well, these guys are going to be, you know, these guys are going to be part of the solution for years. You know, you had Rocco Grimaldi uh, and you had Kyle Rao guys like that. And virtually everyone's gone from that draft except for Vincent Trocek and Jonathan Huberto and a couple other drafts. The Panthers have done very well with with the first round picks. It's from there on where it's been less than stellar. And that's kind of where we're at now because, you know, we had to go out and sign Radim Verbata instead of maybe bringing somebody up who's, uh, you know, done done their time in the, in the AHL and should be able, ready to fill in. Um, but I think it is going to take, you know, because of that, I think if you're going to try to bring back anyone of consequence, um, it's going to be somebody like Vinny Trocek that's going to get traded. Because from my point of view, I, I don't think you trade Jonathan Huberdeau. I don't think you trade Alexander Barkov. To me, those are the only two untouchables on this roster. Uh, I love Vinny Trocheck. He's outstanding, but like you said, if you're, you, no one's going to take your garbage and give you back gold. You're going to have to trade something. Uh, I would think
1: I the, would the, think that Nick Bugestad would be the guy, personally. The, the, well, that, he could be, but what value does he
3: have
2: right now? I think exactly. And that's what, and that's why I went to Trocheck uh, because initially it was Bukestad. but again, you know, this is a guy who's underperformed for a couple of years after a really really good. Uh, it was a 21 or 22 goal season he had a couple of years ago. Um, so, you know, he, he could be, maybe he could be part of a package with something. I don't, you know, who yeah. knows? Um, but I think it's good, you know, it's going to take one of those guys. But like I said, the only two, the only two players, and this is defense included, the only two players I wouldn't consider trading are Huberto and Barkoff because uh, they're still very young and you can still build around those guys. You're going to need them. It's not fair to them. If you're going to try to, you know, know take a couple of steps back uh but you have, if you have to do it if it's best for the organization so you know and again they're they're, they're going to lose somebody big and unfortunately the organizational death isn't going to be able to take up for it the way like it has in nashville uh you know josh you mentioned nashville you know nashville was able to sustain that kind of loss they got a big name back but they've got a whole bunch of good players that they drafted too
3: and the other thing you know if, if you look towards the draft this year there's a lot of talk about drafting uh uh, what's his last name? Delene? Um, who I believe is a defenseman. I mean, you know, I don't think that would be a smart move because how many years is it going to take before we see him? And is he, you know, going to be as good as he's advertised? Like you say, Josh, I just I think that would be a wrong move.
2: Would you? Would any? Would any of you guys consider trading? Borgstrom, uh, as as part of a trade for a big defenseman, he, uh, he's he's outstanding last year. University of Denver's already outstanding. I think is he signed? Did they sign him to a contract and they just sent him back? That's I'm
3: not 100 percent sure on that. I really don't know. But if you're asking yeah, I me, some yeah, I, sure, I would do it. You
2: know, and, that, and that's, okay, you know, come right. at me,
3: everybody. I'm. <laughs>
1: He's a guy. Yeah, anyway. He's a guy who's going to be good, but again, you d- or you think he's going to be good, but you just don't know. You think he's going to yeah, be good. right,
2: and Josh, that, that plays right in what you were talking about. Like you said, that they, they're on. You know, they have their best value when they're unknown. Yeah, for sure. And, and do we have time to wait for this guy to be good? I
3: mean, how many more? You know, do you know this season? For all argument, is it's going to take a hell of a lot of stuff to happen for the Panthers to sniff the playoffs you know so we're not going to necessarily be that competitive this year as far as a playoff spot is concerned will we be next year with this same group no so i don't think there's time to wait i think that something has to happen sooner rather than later it just the, the organization the fan base and you know the city just can't afford this to continue to happen
1: you know guys it's it's <sighs> Man, it's tough to say what I'm about to say. But but I just I got to throw it out there. I mean, the reality is this. If there's not improvement in the team, there's there needs to be genuine concern about a relocation situation. Because I think I think about, you know, the Atlanta Thrashers, I think about, you know, other teams in the past who have been moved when when you lose the fan base, you have a you have a pretty good chance of losing the team. And it scares me because when we look around and you see so many, I mean, almost every Panther fan I know is either apathetic or downright anti Panthers right now because of what's happening. It's a scary thing. It really is. It's a scary thing to think that, you know, that this could lead us down a path that we don't want to go uh, because the fan interest, if it's not there, I mean, ultimately, if the fans aren't interested, the team won't be here. So it's a, it's, a, it's a scary thing. I know I'm going to probably get crap for saying that, but I mean it's a legitimate concern that I have that that we need to be worried about if we're going to continue to lose and continue to lose and continue to lose, we might be worried about losing the team overall. I mean, we're in a weird spot. We 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 have no media coverage anymore. Really at all, except for the guy over at Sentinel. He's, he's I mean, he seems nice, like a nice guy, but he's he's kind of preaching preaching the choir's tune. Yeah. I mean, there's no media coverage because the media in South Florida says, you know what? It's not worth our time to cover the team. That's a bad sign. And, and, and it's like, man, what's going to happen? I listened to a podcast the other day with Craig Custance over at Athletic. And uh, he does a po- – it's a great podcast, by the way. It's called The Full 60. I, I highly recommend it. He gets some great some great interviews. He had uh, John Shaka the other day from the, the Arizona Coyotes on there. But – he was talking with guys. They did the kind of a a thrashers remembrance podcast with some of the guys who covered the thrashers. And, and as I was listening to the podcast, I'm thinking to myself, man, a lot of this describes the Panthers this season. A lot of this describes, you know, the lack of interest from the fan base, the, the, you know, the, the apathy that kind of set in with losing and, uh, man, it just, it sucks. Like, can we just say that it sucks? It sucks to be a Panthers fan right now. I, you know sometimes i I wonder, like you know, where do I go to turn in my Panther fan card? I mean, I've been a fan forever, but it's just hard. It sucks, you know? Well, I think it's you know,
3: because none of the three of us, you know, none of us none of us like to lose. we've We've been involved from you know day one. I mean, when I moved here in ninety three, I was ecstatic that there was going to be a hockey team to watch, you know, even though they were expansion. in that first year, they were, you know, very competitive. But the the consistent, terrible hockey that is played, and I mean, we went through some really, really bad years of, and a lot of it was, you know, that ownership at the time and all that, I, you know, I don't want to see the team move. I think that would be a real bad mark on the NHL, number one. Number two, I, you know, I, I, I do love hockey and I, I want the Panthers to stay, but... Man, something something has to happen. It just we can't you're, we can't sustain this. And how, how does it feel to be a player from another city to come in and play in front of five thousand people in a you know in a real NHL stadium? It's a very nice facility. It's you know it's a beautiful facility as we know. You have all the amenities. Um, it's great and all that, but it's it's a tough building to play in. And you know what do our what do our players think? you know how do they how do we think we don't even I mean we don't know how they feel but um it's tough for them to play in front of a a home crowd that doesn't get you juiced and doesn't get you excited and you know we wonder why they start games so slow well you know if you have a a crowd buzzing and everybody excited that's you know that's going to pump some adrenaline into you but they don't have that and it's it's just, it's not its not fun, it's not good, and um, it's not getting any better in the immediate future, it doesn't look like.
2: Well, um, allow me to take on the rare role of me being Mr. Brightside, which is something <laughs> I never, I never usually, usually do. The good news is with this market, if you win, and you win consistently, the people will come back. Uh, You look at uh, the the playoff year 2012, where it was bad in spots, but, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it gets closer to the end of the season. Uh, The team is in it. Uh, I remember the the game against Montreal, uh, you know, late, late in that season. Uh, You know, and this was in April, not in in January or December, where, uh, you know, you have a lot of snowbirds here. Uh, and it was a great game. And, you went, and they went out and clinched against Carolina. It was a packed building. It was, it was great. You think back to game seven uh, against New Jersey, as crushing as it was, uh, you know, goes to Dover overtime. People don't sit down. And the building's packed. Marcel Gotch scores that tying goal late in the game. The place explodes. You know, you, you can win. You can either bring in the superstar or, you know, or you can win. Um, And people will go. You look at, you know, the the kind of the team that uh, the Panthers are compared to in the market, of course, is going to be the Miami Heat, the other winter sports team. People forget that there was a time before Dwayne Wade. And even while Dwayne Wade was here and having his great great rookie season, you go to the American Airlines arena and the upper deck is covered with with curtains. Kind of like what happened with the Panthers with the Party City banners a couple of years ago. You couldn't sit in the upper deck because they just everyone sat down there. They were they couldn't sell enough tickets. It looked bad on TV. Um and then even again, even when Dwayne Wade came in and he was a rookie and had a great year, made the you know, the heat made the playoffs. Um they still had problems selling tickets. All of a sudden, they make the trade for Shaquille O'Neal, the season tickets are sold out, you know, they go through, you know, they win a championship, they hit their lull, boom, here comes LeBron and 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 and, and Chris Bosch. They sell out tickets to the point where they let go their ticket staff because they didn't need them anymore because every ticket, every conceivable ticket was sold. Um, so people will come. Uh, if you give them a reason not to come, they're not going to come. And the, right now the Panthers are, 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 you know, not really sending a whole lot of positive messages to get people in the building. Um, and that's the organization as a whole, the players play on the ice, the coaches, uh, and, you know, the, the front office. They somehow have to Get that back. I don't. I, I don't think we're we're in the stage of relocation. I know they have a tough lease, uh, yeah. you know, you know, with a big buyout clause. So it makes sense for them to work here uh, and to, to make it work here. But you have to start winning, not just games on the ice, but you have to start making, you know, you know, winning some, uh, you know, some, some decisions, uh, you know, or you, know, you know some, some trades, things like that, you know, to, to get some positive momentum going everywhere. Uh, the media will come back. We, we look at, in 2012, we sat in the press box, uh, and I think we all had our own seats and everything was fine. All of a sudden, you get to the playoffs. Here comes, uh, you know, here comes Dave Hyde from the Sunset, here comes Kim Bocamper from whatever channel he works for. And all of a sudden, we couldn't, you know, we were, you know, kind of squeezed down to one seat, which is fine, uh, you know, at, you know, at that time. And... If if they're newsworthy, the media is going to come. Right now, they're not really newsworthy. They they can get back there. There's some young players here, but they have to start. You know, you know they have to start. You know, I'm trying to think of the word here. You know, they they have to stop screwing up. I guess basically, it stops screwing up on the ice, uh, on Twitter, you know, whatever. It, it, build a winning organization. It's time. The, the people have put up with so much crap for so long.
3: Yeah, you, you you bring up something about the you know the the playoffs against the Devils, and I remember Game Seven. Um, you know, and that building was it was rocking, and it was that was one of the most exciting games um, I think any of us had ever seen. And I remember, you know, how how nervous we were. Actually, I think for that seventh game, we were all there, or we all had the opportunity to yeah. be there. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was so nervous. I mean, you know, you know how we used to eat the popcorn and the chicken wings. And, you know, I mean, I'm dipping. My, I was so nervous. I'm dipping my hand in my Coke thinking that it's popcorn. And I mean, I did it like four times. And just the excitement and the the intensity was so much fun to be there. And then, you know, they lose. And I mean, for the first time ever, I've never, you know, I didn't watch the handshake because we were in such a rush to get downstairs And, I mean, I I remember the interviews that we did and, you know, how the players felt afterwards. And they were all stand-up guys, especially, and I'll never forget, Jose Theodore, who gave up that goal. I mean, he felt absolutely horrible. But he stood there. He, you know, took the questions. He answered the questions and um, felt miserable. And it just gave me a completely different outlook on how these guys actually, you know, feel and, you know, how they – Go about their business. I want to see that again. I don't Passion. see or feel that right now. That's Passion. it, Josh. You you hit it right on the head. Passion. They loved their coach. They loved their GM. They loved the fans. They loved each other,
1: and they played like it. Well, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, what more can you say? Um, I don't know. You know, we've 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 talked it to death. Uh, But we want to we want to leave you with something positive. We want to leave the listeners with something positive uh, to talk about. Hey, a few years ago, uh, I got a chance to catch up with Scott Mellenby and talk a little bit about the rat trick days. And since uh, there's nothing really positive to end the show with today about the current team, I thought we'd end it. Uh, With some positivity from at least some success in the past. And so uh, this recording was a few years ago with Scott Mellenby. uh, So we're going to go in the Wayback Machine and listen to what he has to say. All right. And joining us now, Scott Mellenby, the inventor of the rat trick. Thanks for joining the program, Scott.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's uh, hard to believe that the the rats are back this year. It's great. It's good to see you. And, um, you know, it's uh, a pleasure to be on the show.
1: Now, Scott, you know we've all heard the the different versions of the rat story, but why don't you tell us you know exactly what happened that that fateful day in the locker room?
0: well, it, it was our home opener. Uh, I believe it was ninety five what well, was the 95-96 season obviously it was going to the finals that year, and uh, we had lost our our first game in New Jersey this, so this we had come home and this was our first game at the uh, arena for that season and uh, before the game, um, anyone who had been at the arena down underneath knows we had a little, uh, our room was, was, was something that had been thrown up, uh, drywalled up when we first went, went in as a tenant there, and uh, it wasn't a real big room, but uh, it was a long, narrow hallway that led down uh, and into our dressing room, and what we were just about ready to go out for opening night where you have introductions and stuff and uh, one of the trainers, I think it was Scott Tinkler, yelled, there's a rat, there's a rat in the room, there's a rat in the room, and this rat came running down the hall and into our dressing room was a kind of a, a small squared off room and uh, started darting around and some of us were, so I used to have a routine where I would stand up and, and, and then put my stick down on my knees kind of like I was at a face-off and rock back and forth for about a minute before we went out had a clock in our room and so the rat came in and started darting all over the place. I think it was as scared or, or as freaked out as we were. A couple of guys, I remember, were jumping up on, onto the benches because they, they looked like little girls jumping up there. But um, all of a sudden, the rat just kind of stopped on the far side of the room and, and just made a beeline straight for me. And I think more in self-defense, I one-timed it, probably the best one time in my career. <laughs> and it flew about 15 feet, hit, hit the wall. And... Uh, was dead there on the spot, and uh, I remember showing a couple of my teammates when we were going out to start the game that I had a couple of pieces of, like, rat hair still stuck on the table, my stick. And anyways, I got two goals that night, and John Denbysburg said to the media after that I got a rat trick because I had two goals, and I, I killed a rat, and it kind of snowballed from there.
1: Well, and it's pretty crazy to see the response. I mean, uh, just the other night when the Florida Panthers defeated the Montreal Canadiens, to see just the 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 showers of rats coming back. Is that exciting for you as someone who's, you know, now you're with the blues and all of that, but looking back and seeing that you left a legacy here in Florida.
0: Oh yeah, it's very special. You know, I, I think for all of us that were there at that time and helped create hockey in South Florida, you know, we, we started out as uh, the most successful expansion franchise in the history of sports, not even just hockey. So there's a lot of pride that goes, runs through players that were around the early years in Florida uh, almost winning a cup in year three so you know I think for all of us that were there uh, having started out such a proud way uh, it was, it's been real tough for us over the last 10 11 years to see the team go through such a long dry spell I know from speed running into a few of the guys um, in my travels you know we're, we're real excited to see the team it's an exciting team they have there right now and I think Bill talent's gonna gonna do a great job and uh, you know, I'd love to see them back in the playoffs because these things and these traditions that we started down there are are ones that we want that legacy to live on. And uh, the only way it will is for the, for the franchise to to, to not only survive, but excel. And, you you know, so I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm glad it's, I'm glad the fans are enjoying it again. I get great memories. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish I had franchised it. I might, might have made a little money off it because uh, <laughs> all these shows and all these rats are getting thrown. I I keep waiting for a check in the mail, but nothing's coming.
1: <laughs> you know, they're actually selling the rats in the arena now. Uh, so... Oh, I'm, I'm
0: sure. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to talk to talk to a couple of people down there and find out where my check is. But uh, <laughs> you know, at the, of, at the end of the day, it's uh, it's great for the fans. It's great. It's great to be a part of it. None. You know, it's you have to be remembered for something, I guess. I know a lot of people occasionally over the years, I still get people coming to me. And I had a great story just quickly. I had a, a guy come up to me uh, a couple of years back and say, oh, I'm, you know, the greatest thing about that is I remember having my kids. We we didn't go to the games, but we had rubber rats, and we used to throw them at our TV set when the goals went in. So having kids of my own, you know, to, to think about that and think about, people with young families having their kids and those memories of throwing rubber rats at a TV when we would score a goal is, is really sounds crazy, but it's, uh, it's nice to have had had that impact and brought that kind of joy to, uh, to, to people with, with their families in particular.
1: All right, Scott, thanks so much for coming on the program.
0: Okay. I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you.
1: Great stuff from Scott and uh, man, that was such a, a great time. That era of uh, Panther fandom with the Rats and going to the final, wasn't it, guys?
3: That was awesome.
1: I that was
3: that was so cool.
1: It was uh, it was one of the things I, I kind of wish I
2: was I was down here at the time. I was actually in school up in Gainesville uh, at, at Florida in you didn't really get to see as many games as I'd hoped to because it was considered lightning territory. Uh, and, and, of course, as a college student, I saw many of the games that I could watch through a phase, uh, through a haze of uh, alcohol. So I wish I could remember more of them. But the good news is, is I fell asleep and I never saw Uwe Krupp's goal cross the line. So I pretended <laughs> it didn't happen.
1: In your mind, it didn't. <laughs> I,
2: absolutely. My, hey, I, I was passed that on my couch.
3: My, my daughter was two years old at the time. She was awake for it. That I remember. <laughs> that's that's I, good parenting.
2: I, I, I had a few bourbons in me, so that's my excuse.
3: Um, I'm, I'm raised, I was raising a good hockey fan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, uh, that was great. It was great to catch up with Scott. We're going to have to try to get him uh, on the show again. I still have his, uh, his contact info, so maybe we'll uh, try to get him on a future episode and get him to talk a little bit about what he's doing. I think he's still working for the Montreal Canadiens. So last I had heard he was I have to look that up, but I think uh, I think he's still working for them. He was part of that team that went up there when um, Mark Bergeron left Chicago and became part of the uh, I think uh, Mellon became part of the uh, part of the deal. Oh,
3: management. Yeah, I hmm. think he's part okay. of the
1: management. Cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Uh, yeah, he's the uh, assistant general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Hmm. So wonder how long play. that'll last.
2: That doesn't I, seem like the greatest position right now. I... <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's been the assistant general manager of the Canadiens since 2014. Uh, at the okay. time, at the time that we talked to him on in the interview we just listened to, he was with the Dallas Stars. But yeah, now he's with uh, the Canadiens. Okay, so that's what he's up to. But we'll have to see. Maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'll tell us a little bit about, <laughs> about what's going on there in, in Montreal. But. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, thanks for listening to the show. I know we had a little bit of a long show tonight, but it was great. And uh, we would love for you to get more involved with the show. You can always go online and email us at Panther Parkway Radio at gmail dot com uh, with your thoughts. Hey, tell us what you think. What should the Panthers do? What should they do to to improve? We'd love to hear what you think at Panther Parkway Radio at gmail dot com, or you can call and leave us a voicemail, and that might even be better. Uh, the voicemail number is 828-380-4-PPR. That's 828-380-4777. Uh, and you, when you call, it'll give you opportunity to leave a voicemail, and we can play that voicemail on the show uh, next week or whenever we get it. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say about the Panthers. Of course, you can follow along online on Twitter, at Panther Parkway. i got to be honest, we have not live-tweeted the last couple of games simply because we're bored, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, we like doing it. Uh, we do often live tweet games and have, uh, articles and things like that. So make sure you follow us at Panther Parkway, uh, on Twitter, as well as Frank at Frank Rikis at David Lassiter for Dave. And of course I'm at Gara G A R A Z E B. Uh, we'd love to talk Panthers hockey with you and see, uh, what you have to say. So follow along. And, of course, check out the website. Uh, It's the New York Times, the Florida Panthers news and information, pantherparkway.com. We'd love for you to go and be a part of that. Uh, And we've got some great writers writing stuff, and we have almost daily content for you over there. In a world where there's not a lot of people covering the Panthers, we got you covered. So – Uh, Check that out, and uh, thanks for being with us. We appreciate you guys who are continuing to stick with us as fans of the Panthers, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys.